Well, hey, good morning. How are we doing today? Good? Good. Well, I am charged up. I'm excited to be here. We got a lot to go through. And if you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles at all three exits behind us. They look like this. And uh, just because of the gifts of some generous people here, um, if you don't have one, go get one. This is our gift to you. We want you to have one. Uh, but I don't even have an intro today because I'm so excited to get into what we're talking about today. That's going to be my intro. So Luke 14, open it up, download the app, do whatever you got to do. But Luke 14, starting in verse 1, uh, we're going to be in the text. But here's what you got to understand before we jump in is this. The context that we are stepping into for this story is the day that we are jumping into is the Sabbath. Sabbath is super important. It's very significant in the Jewish culture, and it's significant because Jews are required as part of this day to remember two significant events in history. Number one is this. The seventh day of creation, God did what? Rested. He took a break. Sabbath is a day of rest. It was customary for Jews, and they would not work, they would not cook. All the people in here who cook say amen to that. And so it was just a day of like break and rest and retreat and remembrance of who God is with a whole goal and focus of worship of Him. Number two reason that they celebrated the Sabbath uh, is because uh, they would remember the exile out of Egypt. They were held in captivity in Egypt for centuries. And so when God redeemed them, he restored them from Egypt, part of the Sabbath is that they would think back to the time that their people were in exile and they would celebrate that they are no longer in exile. So Sabbath was a very significant day. And what you would typically do is you would have a feast. And so the person that's gonna host a feast today for us in this passage uh, is a high priest. And so, or he's a Pharisee, excuse me. So Pharisees uh, were religious leaders in the church they would interpret the law, so they would read scripture, and they would interpret it for people so that they could understand. So a prominent Pharisee with a lot of wealthy neighbors who was highly esteemed in his community threw a banquet, and check out what happened in the banquet. It looks like this, verse 1 of Luke 14. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, can we read this together? He was being carefully watched. This is so significant, and we're going to find out as we unpack this today. But the word, the actual translation that this comes from, uh, we miss it just a little bit, which is why I want to tell you, is he was being carefully watched. The verb used was one that was sitting and waiting and ready to pounce. Huh. Sounds like more is coming in the story, right? Let's keep reading. So there in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? This is so important. The man that was there suffered from a condition known as dropsy. Everybody say dropsy. Dropsy. You know why you haven't heard of the term dropsy? Because we don't really use that anymore. The medical community doesn't really use the word dropsy. But what dropsy meant was edema, swelling. The body would retain water and would not get rid of it the way that it should. So edema, my wife would be so proud. She's a nurse. I use the, the word edema. So edema, swelling, lots of body stuff, okay? So it's going on. But here's what's important is this mystery guest that was at the banquet, everyone would have known and everyone would have noticed. Because he had so much swelling, he was swollen in the face, swollen in the neck, swollen in the hands, and the wrists, and the arms, and the feet, and the ankles. Everything about this man screamed to everybody else around him, there's something wrong. 
So here's the man, and he has this abnormal swelling, and one of the unique conditions of dropsy is this. You are so thirsty. So thirsty. Like, you can't get enough. Your body, you just feel like you're dying. Like, you're past dehydrated. Like, like you need water to survive. It's like the last drop. But here's the problem, is the more you drink, the more thirsty you get. Can you imagine such a condition? I need a drink. So here's this man, and he's suffering. And he's thirsty. And his body is swelling. And everybody knows, and everybody sees, and he sticks out like a sore thumb in this group of prominent, well-to-do, wealthy leaders in the community. And Jesus asks them a question, and he says this, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? And at this point, Jesus has healed three different times other people on the Sabbath. Do you see Jesus stirring the pot here? He's stirring the pot, and it's about to get good because he knows he has the Pharisees trapped. If the Pharisees say, no, it is not legal to heal on Sabbath, then they know they are denying the power of God at work in their midst if Jesus heals them, and many of them would have known that Jesus had already healed people in the past, so it would catch them. It would say, hmm, Really? Really, but here's the thing. If they say, yes, it is lawful to heal on the Sabbath, they're also caught because they have taught people that you can't do work on the Sabbath because it's work. You can't heal people. Healing sounds tiring. I don't know, I'm never healed, but it sounds tiring, sounds exhausting. They would say, well, that's a violation. You can't do that. Therefore, do you know what these guys said to Jesus? Let's take a look. But they remained silent. Got him, right? Ah, Jesus won, everybody else zero. Keep reading. Taking hold of the man, Jesus healed him, sent him on his way. <laughs> Can you imagine the room and the Pharisees who were sitting, waiting, ready to pounce? What they had taught other people was that you can't heal on the Sabbath. And Jesus just did it. There's nothing they can do about it. Then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? Here's why Jesus asked this question. There was a clause or a loophole, one might say, that was taught by the Pharisees that if someone needed something in an emergent reason, so like their life was in danger. Their life was on the line. You were allowed to help, to work in order to save another person. So Jesus is saying, hold on, time out here. All of you guys that are quiet and angry and your arms are crossed and you're just upset that this man who had a significant deformity and illness was clearly healed in front of them. They don't result with joy. They end with kind of just ticked off. They're upset. Maybe even more so, they're embarrassed. Jesus is saying, but hold on. What if someone that matters to you is in trouble? What if something that's important to you needs something? Then you're allowed to help on the Sabbath? 
Here's what Jesus was getting at. The way that they would interpret the law and interpret Scripture is in a way that served themselves. But if it didn't serve themselves, they were rigid. They were hard. They were unwavering. And that was the message that they would teach. And Jesus called them on it. Brace yourself. And I love that last line. And they remained silent. Because what can you say? Right? Here you are, you're in this group. And so the Pharisee, the lead Pharisee, this prominent Pharisee that would host, would do this thing for the banquet on the Sabbath. He would invite his rich friends and rich neighbors, and they would all come in, people that were highly esteemed, well-educated, important, influential people in the community, and they would all come together to celebrate a feast. And remember, the focus of Sabbath is worship. They're all there to worship God, but let's keep reading because that's not exactly what happens next. When Jesus noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. Here's what's happening. Jesus, who was being carefully watched, is now carefully watching. Uh Uh-oh. Jesus is watching what's going on, and the Pharisees are present, all these rich, well-to-do, affluent, highly esteemed people all in one place. And Jesus takes a step back, and he watches, because in the culture, when you would invite people to a banquet, you would have the most prominent person, the host of the banquet, would sit in a very specific seat at the table. And the most highly sought-after seat at the table was next to him. And it kind of followed down the line. That the more important you were, the closer you got to sit to to the host. And the less important you were, you sat at the very opposite end of the table. Who do you think was sitting or should have been seated at the way opposite end of the table? The man with dropsy. Hosts would scrutinize their invitation list because it was so important. And as people would come in and as they would look around and see others that were invited, especially the Pharisees, they would look around and in their head, they would rank them so that they knew where to sit at the table. And Jesus is calling them on it. He says, as if so, the host who invited both of you will come and say, if you sit in the wrong seat, if you give yourself more honor than what's due, if you sit too close to the host and someone more important than you shows up, how embarrassing would that be? Because here's what would happen. The host would come up. he He would invite you and say, give this person your seat. And then, say this word with me, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. It's not musical chairs. It's not, whoops, I made a mistake. All right, everybody, can we just focus, move a step to the left, right? Move one seat over. Perfect, now we're all in the right order. It was, you get it wrong, you take the last seat. Whoo. And when the seat is very important in your culture and it's very important in your heart, that's a big whoops. Jesus is saying, how embarrassing would that be? But when you are invited, take the lowest place. Take the last seat at the table so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all of the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, 
and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Do you know why Jesus made the Pharisees so angry? It's kind of all throughout Jesus' ministry. The Pharisees tended to be the ones who got most upset and most angry. It's for this reason. Jesus made public what they intended to keep secret. What was really going on in their hearts that they didn't want anyone else to know, that they wanted to project this view of humility and self-sacrifice, Jesus went, I'm going to call your bluff. What's really important to you. See, Jesus could see what no one else could see, and then he verbalized it. Jesus was looking not at the outside, but at the condition of the people's hearts. And on the Sabbath day, the day that's supposed to be all focused on God, and their heart for God, and their worship for God, on that day, Jesus was finding out that the people who were there to interpret God's word for the sake of his people. Those people were interpreting it in a way to benefit themselves. Whew. What's really going on here? What links these two stories? Here's what's so important for us to realize today is the man with dropsy and the Pharisees actually have something very significant in common. See, dropsy, I talked about edema, dropsy is actually like a heart condition. We would call it heart disease today. And so Jesus, as he heals the man with a heart condition, now he's looking at the hearts of the Pharisees who were there. So for this man, Jesus made an exception to heal him on a day that he has need, but the Pharisees preached the opposite that we only make exceptions, we only provide loopholes when the end benefactor is us. Can I just ask us this question? Can the same be said of us? Do we ever live in a way, read in a way, interpret scripture in a way, come to Sunday in a way that benefits us more than others? Do we ever do this in our marriage? Do we ever do this in social circles? Do we ever do this at work? Do we ever interpret what God has said to us in a way that only benefits ourselves, but then use it as, as an excuse when we become burdened, inconvenienced, taxed, something is required of us. This is what's so significant, is the man that had dropsy had heart disease, and the Pharisees Jesus was talking to had a disease of the heart. Did you catch that? That at the beginning, when Jesus comes over and he heals the man of dropsy, a man who's dealt with abnormal swelling for who knows how long, and he's thirsty, and his thirst can never be quenched, and he feels dehydrated, and the more he drinks, the more he swells. And Jesus, watching the hearts of the Pharisees in his midst who fold their arms and cross them and scowl. They don't celebrate that a man was healed in their midst, and yet what Jesus is calling them on is they have the exact same disease, and everyone else can see it but themselves. 
See, wealth is a funny thing and honor is a funny thing and they really go hand in hand. And this is why it was so significant that they were picking their seats at the table because it revealed what's really important to them. And the thing about dropsy, if you remember this, is the more you drink, the more thirsty you get. And with the Pharisees, the more wealth they had, the more honor they had, the more clout and education and position that they held, the thirstier they got. That they could no longer see that they had plenty. All they could see was that they lacked. And so the prominent men of the community, the well-off, the well-educated, the leaders, those who were revered and honored more than almost everyone else around them, only wanted more. Whew. Does that have anything to do with us? I wonder if Jesus was in our midst, if this was a party, what he would notice about the condition of our hearts. Because often what we say is most important doesn't necessarily align with how we act about what's important. And just like the Pharisees, Jesus was saying to them, look at the man with dropsy. Do you know that everyone in the community would have known and recognized dropsy in their midst because they associated it with money lovers? This was part of the culture. They would say the more, the more that they get, the more that they want. The more that they get, the more that they want. And it was the cycle over and over. And they found a disease that looked just like that. And so they saw it. And Jesus, when he healed the man of dropsy, when he healed him, what Jesus communicated to the Pharisees is I can heal this man of his physical condition and I can heal your hearts of the same spiritual condition. And their response was this. Wow. What's going on here in the hearts of the people that they can't recognize on the Lord's day, on the Sabbath, the Lord right in front of them. Whew. Isn't scripture fun? This is loaded. Come on, we're going to keep reading. Luke 14, verse 12. It says this, Then Jesus said to his host, now he's talking to his host. When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. I don't know if you're like me. I read that earlier this week and went, what was the big deal with that? Again, at zero, zero's not too bad. But keep reading. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they can't repay you, who can? God. Jesus is trying to teach these men that the purpose of the Sabbath was to worship God. When God has the rightful place in our hearts, we see the rest of the world around us more clearly. And when our hearts are focused correctly on God, we now see the needs of people around us in which God has blessed us and given us, just like these Pharisees, whether it's wealth, 
whether it's influence, whether it's time and resources and talents, we realize that we are not the end in ourselves, but that others and the kingdom of God has been the intended end from the beginning. Some of us, though, I'm willing to bet, feel dehydrated. Some of us in this room uh, maybe watch too much HDTV. How many of you watch that show when they take a house that looks like a dump and then they turn it into like a museum? And you go, I can do that. And then they start talking numbers at the end of the show. Am I the only one that watches this? They start talking numbers. And I'm like, well, dang, if I could make that in one house, I'd be happy too. And they do this over and over and over and over and over. And these beautiful houses and they redo the kitchens and the front. I mean, it's just like they're able to flip this thing and turn such a profit. And you go, of course, I'd be happy if I lived in a house like that. You should see my house. You ever pay attention to those of you that, that like cars? You ever pay attention to the cars that people drive in shows like that? You know, that's a pretty nice truck. I bet it was new when they bought it. And you start paying attention because here's the funny thing with wealth. The more you have, the more you want. The more you have, the more you want. The more you get, the more you need. Same is true for honor. The more honor you get, the, the better promotion you get, the higher up you move, you realize, oh, this isn't everything I thought it was because now I see a, a new level that I don't yet have. And so I, I need more and I need more and I need more and I need more. And a lot of us, we feel dehydrated because it's, we get to this point in life, regardless of what point, and you're saying, if only I had one more kid, I'd be happy. Maybe if I only had a child, I'd be happy. If I only had a slightly bigger house, if I only got that raise, if I only had that position, if I only had the promotion, if I only, if only, if only, if only, if only, if only, if only I had this one thing, I would be satisfied. My thirst would be quenched. And I don't know what that one thing is for everybody in this room, but I am willing to bet that you do. Many of us feel like we don't have enough money and if we did, then we could be generous. Many of us feel like we don't have enough time. But once we did, then we could use it for the sake of other people. Many of us feel like we don't have enough sway or influence or power. And if we only had this little bit more, then I could lead something and do something that makes a difference in the kingdom. The more we have, the less we feel like we do. And the same condition that the Pharisees suffered from in this passage is the same condition of the heart that so many of us in this room live with. And that's why the Pharisees were so frustrated is because they were perfectly content living life the way they've always lived it with themselves as the intended end. And Jesus shakes things up and says, you are not the end. My father is the end and his kingdom is the end. And you know who else is the end? The poor, the blind, the crippled, the naked, the imprisoned, the sick. Those are the people that my heart is close to. And the reason I've blessed you is for them. And don't worry about getting repaid they won't be able to, but I sure will. Whew.
Are we preaching yet or what? Good night. Matthew 25, verse 37. Let me tie this together. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king, King Jesus, will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Do you know Jesus is the great healer? He's also the great provider. He's also our king. And what he teaches his people and what he commands his people is to live in a way that gives yourself away. Because when we give all that we have, we receive much. But the opposite is also true, that when we pull in and squeeze tight and hold and say, I need the security, I need the money, I need the job, I need the car, I need, I need, I need, I need. The more we pull in, the more it just leaks out and disappears and it's gone. Jesus is saying, I want to heal you of this horrible disease in which there is no end and show you that the disease is curable by getting rid of the very thing that causes the problem for the sake of my kingdom. Because when you start to see God at work, it's irresistible. Which we're going to find out in one second. There was um, did this men's retreat back in February. This was the first time we did a men's retreat here at Frontline. And we had 78 guys show up. And it was a riot. Was it not? Any guys in here that went? Okay, I got one woo. So it was better than that. There we go. All right, so thank you. All right, I'll pay you later. And this group, I mean, we, we had some traction, man. We had some fun. We were shooting off potato guns. We were competing. We were climbing rock walls and crate stacking. And we we're doing all sorts of stuff. I mean, just challenges that, like, men love. Like, we just we had a blast with it. And we did this activity right at the end that most, uh, most guys, I'll just speak for all men for one second. And you guys are all going to go, yep, I'm right. I did this thing right at the end, and I, I put, like, a little carpet square. And I said, hey, you're all being called to the carpet. We talked all weekend about things that we hold true that, like, are important to us that like we really just want but ourselves is the end and it's killing us. And so we're going to confess what's killing us in our hearts that we try to keep hidden from everybody else so that we can find freedom in it so we can live for the sake of other people in God's kingdom. Does that sound fun or what? Well, here's the carpet. Everybody just air your dirty laundry. Just come on up. And there was one guy that stuck up. I don't remember any of them. I'll be totally straight with you. I don't remember what I said. I probably should have said this, though. This guy came up. He's one of my best friends here at Frontline. And he stood on the carpet and he said, the thing I need to confess is my pursuit of the American dream. Goosebumps. And I heard that. And I went, why would I have to confess that? And here's what he put his finger on. That so convicted me in my soul. I should have said that. Because when the American dream, when the white picket fence and the pool and the yard and the house and just, just everything that you go, oh, I just want to live, no secure. I mean, I'm totally secure. I'm totally provided for. I never have to work. When I am the goal and I am the end, I strip myself of the ability to make an impact in God's kingdom. 
That when everything I've been given is about me and myself and ending with me, and then I die and I'll give it all away, we rob ourselves of what God is trying to do in and through us for the sake of his people, for the sake of his kingdom. Something that many of you maybe don't know about, we've talked about it a little bit, but we have this thing called the Essential Store here at Frontline. Uh, we got to meet the Plainfield Township Manager the last couple weeks, and uh, he came in and we were just like, hey, teach us about you. Tell us what you do. Tell us about Northview. And one of the things he said about Northview to our entire staff that we never knew is he said there's a very big hidden poverty in Northview that you, you won't see people out with signs and you won't see a lot of people lined up at like food banks or whatnot, but there's a lot of people in a couple mile radius of here that are just living in abject poverty and we're trying to meet the needs as best as we can. And we went, whoa, hello, we can help. We'd love to help. What better place to come get help than from a church? And so something we started a couple years ago is called the Essential Store. It's over in this corner of our building. And our desire was just to help people meet significant needs, but like tiny needs. So like toilet paper and paper towel and soap and shampoo. And we're like, yeah, this will be great. You know, I'm sure there's probably like a small group of people here in Northview that could use help with like the essentials. And so we launched this store. And you guys, over the last couple years, it has exploded that there are so many people coming. It's open twice a week, Tuesday morning and Wednesday night. There are so many people that line up and come to our store to get the most bare essential needs that you could imagine. Deodorant, soap, shampoo, paper towels, you name it. And here's what we found out. There is a huge need around us that we can meet. And I want to give you a taste of what this store is like. So check this out. Essential is just like home away from home when you come here. It's family meets family. And the people just come in, and, and if they're not happy, they are by the time they leave here. You know, so it's just wonderful to, to know that this is here for people's needs. Not their wants, but their needs. very passionate about essentials and a big reason for that is that it gives me the opportunity to lift Christ up high and to love people the way that Christ tells us we should love one another. It's not about the paper towel and all that that our hearts are focused on. Our hearts are truly focused on their hearts um, and where they're at in their journey in life and we just want to minister to the place they come in and let them feel dignity, let them feel respect, let them know they are loved and that they are a child of God and that God loves them most importantly, even more than we do. This is for years. I did my um, laundry with no soap, my dishes with no soap, uh, no toilet paper, I had to scrounge around. It's dignity of living. It's, it's, it's a lot. It's also, you know, nobody coming to your apartment and feeling sad.
sorry because you don't have any toilet paper. The minute people ask you, tell you about their problem, that's just an open door. Yeah. That means help me, so I know how to help you. Yes. I can pray yes. with you. Yes, and we will go so directly to the step. Father. Praise the Lord. We'll go right to Him. We are so friend. blessed. We are. We are. Getting excited here. Is that cool or what? I mean, come on. That's awesome. I thought Brian did a phenomenal job when he preached last week, and one of the things he said was oftentimes we, we spend a lot of time and energy trying to figure out why someone got lost. And I think a lot of us do the same thing when it comes to need, why someone might have need. And, and this is just important for me to share with you, but the woman on the video who talked about no toilet paper and no soap for dishes, and no soap for laundry. Do you know she has a degree from the University of Michigan? That she hit a point in her life when health defects took control and stripped her of everything. We're not here to decide or figure out or ask about how did you get here. We're here as a church to meet the tangible needs of people in our community because it opens the door for us to meet spiritual needs. I want to walk you through just a couple parts of the store. Claudia's featured on there. Claudia's leading the store, and you guys just need to know, she is killing it, and it's doing phenomenal. So check this out. Um, one of the things here in the store is we have this place. It's not like going to the dollar store, okay? We want people to feel welcome and at home and excited when they walk in. So this is a place where there's like some drinks and cookies, non-alcoholic, of course. So it's like, come, um, hang out, grab a snack, and oh, there's a couch here. And then we put a puzzle on the table. Do you know why we put a puzzle on the table? because it takes forever. We want people to come in and hang out. We want to come in and talk because our goal isn't just, okay, get your stuff and get out. It's come on in. We want to meet you. We want to get to know you. We want to care about you because you're at a significant point in your life right now where you need something tangibly, but we're willing to bet you also need something spiritually. So come hang out, spend some time with us. We have a lot of product that's in there, but what you need to hear, we need product that the team is running to the store all the time because we don't have enough to meet the need in our community. Wow. Here's another one. I love this. This is a recent addition. Um, they put this up just in the last couple of weeks and it's answered prayer. And what Claudia told me before the service this morning is she said, here's what we do. When someone comes into the store and one of our team starts talking to them, the rest of us stop what we're doing and we start praying and say, God, please give us an opportunity to meet a spiritual need right now. Hello. They get church, do they not? So they start praying for opportunities and they start praying for people. And then they say, on their way out, they say, hey, if God does anything unusual, anything weird happens, come tell us about it. Come write it down. I want to highlight some of these so that you see the types of prayers that are being answered by people here. This one, accepted Jesus into my heart. Hello, this is our goal. Can we get applause for that? This is why we exist as a church, to reach people for the kingdom. We put this up just a couple weeks ago. There's three already. And what I've been told is there's more and more and more and more. And just only three of them have wrote a post-it, so get on it. Number two, this one's found a job. This one's found a nursing home for my husband. This one's family reunited. This one, come on, chains released from drug addiction. That's what I'm talking about. 
And then this one, oh yeah, we went for a checkup this week and as it turns out, I'm now cancer free. Is God at work or what? The zero we're focused on today is zero needs among us. We wanna see zero needs among us in our community, not just here at church, but in the community that God has planted us because it's why we exist. Most of us in this room, we've got enough. Most of us in this room have more than enough. What God is stirring in us, especially even as a church, and I hope you as an individual, is to say, okay, I've been rich towards myself a lot. I really wanna be rich towards God. Because that's what we care about. And that's why we exist. And that's the type of savior that we serve. And zero sounds like a big number, right? Although it's nothing. Zero is a really big number because if we wanna see zero needs, good grief, how many people is that? But something I want you to walk away with is zero starts with one. One need, one person, one neighbor, one family member, one community, doesn't matter what it is. What's your one that God's just putting on your heart that says, this is why I gave you what I gave you so that you can meet this one need. Are you looking for your one? Because if we ever wanna be cured of the disease of our hearts that is so focused on ourselves, we need to put our focus on Jesus and do what he's called us to do. And that is to give all that we have away so that we will find treasure in heaven and watch his kingdom expand. Amen, amen. Here's the, the three things I wanna leave you with. Okay, for you application people that say, just tell me what to do. I'm gonna tell you what to do. Here's number one, we need stuff, okay? We need product. There's people who have needs, okay? And we want new items. Don't bring anything used, okay? Especially the toilet paper, keep it at home, flush it away. Bring new stuff, repackaged, not repackaged, sorry. Bleep that out. Uh, we want newly packaged toilet paper, paper towel, all this stuff, Kleenex, shampoo, bar soap, laundry detergent. You can find the rest of this list, frontlinegear.com slash essentials. If you're one of those that's like, I love to just give tangibly, we need it and we need it now. They're open on Tuesday, so chop, chop. Okay, number one. Number two is this, would you volunteer to serve? I promise you that if you go hang out Tuesday morning, Wednesday evening, it'll change your life. With Claudia and the team, you're gonna see church how church was meant to be. And people are coming in and they are meeting so many needs, tangibles just to get them in the door, spirituals when they leave. Would you be a part of that? It'll change your life. Give you a new vision and allow you to see where God is at work. Some of you haven't seen an answered prayer in a long time. I'm telling you what, this will charge you up like nothing else. Here's number three, would you give to the One Initiative? This is the former giving ourselves away, but the One Initiative, Jesse said this beautifully, I thought, in his hosting. It, uh, it helps the church, us, the church, be the church outside of church, out of here. This is scholarships to send kids to go to camp where they can hear the gospel and give their lives to Jesus. This is for groups that are meeting in small groups that say, we wanna meet a need in our community. Our one barrier is money. Guess what, we got that, we, we can help with that. When you give, that's where that goes. This is sending people on mission trips where their lives are turned upside down and God gives them a new vision for their lives. That's what we invest in. And so many other things. Would you consider giving to that, not just for your benefit, but for others? 
since that's what we're called to do. Would you pray with me as we close today? God, we love you. We love you. We love you. You've blessed us so much just as a church and as a culture, as a community here in Northview. And God, we thank you for the fruit that you are just bearing all around us. We pray that you would use people in this church. God, I pray for burdens right now that you give people that stir in them to go reach and find and, and minister to their one. Not as just someone who's following or learning, but as a leader. Someone who says, I want to leverage my life and my influence for the sake of the kingdom. And God, I'm not doing this to get repaid, but I know you'll take care of me. God, I pray for this church that you would activate them. Give us vision. Give us guidance. Give us wisdom. And show us the needs around us that you want us to be a part of to help meet. So that we can see your kingdom continue to expand all around us. We love you. And all God's people said together.